0: Hello, hello, party people. What is up? I am Lucas Owens. Welcome to yet another week of the marathon that is hate the player, not the game. Uh, of course, got a fantastic week of action for you today. Um, Going to talk a lot about college football last weekend. Going to give a few previews for the games coming up. No Mizzou, though, because I'm calling that game. Make sure to... Tune in to KCOU 88.1 FM to hear my call of Mizzou v. North Texas. Should be an interesting one. Um, Of course, that's what I say about every game. Uh, Then, going to spend the bulk of the show on the MLB playoffs. We got the divisional series going on right now. We had wild card games. Uh, And then, you know, got to end it off with Math with 6, Survivor 41. Uh, had an interesting show this week, uh, a move that really just absolutely broke my heart and I cannot get over it. I cannot get over it. It just absolutely broke my heart. But first of all, let's go through last week's games. So not too much action going on during the week, uh, but once it hit Saturday, there were some crazy games. So first of all, Mississippi State beat Texas A&M, and I feel like this was going to be a long time come. It was going to happen eventually, um, where this Texas A&M team had kind of been overhyped, uh, and then they had to play a few good teams, and now they're going to have to play Alabama. Um won't spoil how I'm picking that game, but I think you can tell. Um, but really, what this comes down to, again, is Texas A&M does not have a quarterback, and Jimbo Fisher, without a quarterback, is not a very good coach, I'm going to be completely honest. For how much slack Kevin Calamon got, um, he was what Jimbo Fisher needed. Um, And they're just going through a lot of turnover right now with Zach Alasada in there. And it's going to be rough for a bit. Um, I think they'll right the ship eventually. Jimbo Fisher, too good of a coach to not right the ship. But losing to Mississippi State... With all of the hype Texas A&M continuously has, is going to be a little bit of a problem. I mean, I mean they just weren't really prepared. I don't know how to else to say it. And Mississippi State, they're a good team this year. They're not a great team this year, honestly. Um, I mean, they lost to Memphis. They lost to LSU. Um, I'm expecting them to take their lumps this year, honestly. Um, so this loss, is gonna it's going to hurt. This loss is going to hurt for Texas A&M. Uh, Alabama be Ole Miss. Um, that's not too surprising. Of course, uh, there was a lot of hype going up to that game. But again, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Okay, next up, we got Arkansas and Georgia. So this game, it was a 37-0 route of Arkansas and people will want to say a lot about this game and how it disproves everything they're doing in Fayetteville and I think it's the complete opposite um I mean I think you can't really tell a lot about Arkansas this year based on that game like because what I think right. it's more telling about is what Georgia's defense is doing now and Georgia's defense is basically making like the lack like any problems go, their offense teams ever teams has. Try, like now. Just it doesn't matter. Store, it really doesn't matter. Um, of, uh, oh, they're yeah, just gonna the power through you it. And today, when you don't, any, don't any, give it, the ball up, don't when give the day ball day. up like Georgia has been doing. Um that's been enough to win games handily by 37 because their defense is so good, they get the ball at like the 35. Uh, sometimes, I mean, the, most of the time they get it, (coughs) um, close to midfield and offense only has to go a little bit to get in field position. Only has to go about 50 yards, (coughs) excuse me, to score. So, I mean, it's just, (laughs) I don't know what people were expecting is essentially what I'm going to say. And because we are going to run a little short on time for college football this week, um, this is gonna be the last game I'm gonna talk about. But uh, Oregon defeated Stanford to make me look like a big loony because this game for Stanford, uh, I mean, just all of the chaos you kind of expect from Pac-12 refs, really. Um, <laughs> just just a lot of chaos going on. Uh, flag with zero seconds left. Uh free play, Uh, Sanford immediately gets it done in overtime, just craziness that you expect from the David Shaw era from Sanford, Um, and I mean, this is... This isn't a death knell for Oregon, either. Um, People are already coming at Anthony Brown and, and, you know, the rest of the the team because people think they're going to be done. I don't think they're done with one loss with how college football is this year. They still have that win against Ohio State. I think if they win out, they'll be good. But winning out is going to be a tall task when they have to play the Pac-12 stupid gauntlet of going to play teams at random times in random ways. <clears throat> okay, moving on to college football preview. Told you it was going to be a truncated segment. Um, Sanford is going to visit Arizona State in Tempe tonight. So, Arizona State is favored by 13 points, which I think, honestly, is a little steep, um, if you ask me. Uh, however, I think um, I think this is going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a closer game than 13 points. Um, if you have to ask me, I think this is going to be a one-score game. Or knowing how things usually are when I pick the games to be close, uh, it is going to be a massacre. Um, however, Sanford, Tristan McKee has been absolutely crazy. He's part of the re- big part of the reason they beat Oregon last week. Um, and, I mean, Tamaki, it's just... <coughs> excuse me just exactly what you want in a Stanford quarterback um and that's a quarterback who can basically just throw fades into the end zone because that's what david shaw loves to do with the big wide receivers and tight ends. Stanford always recruits uh, not called tight end university for nothing so um i think this is going to be a very close game um despite a 13.5 point spread which is incredibly steep I'm going to pick Sanford in that game I'm not I'm done betting against Sanford in games like that where you where you can tell it's just prime for upset and honestly I think with the loss Arizona State is um not they're definitely not going to be out of Pac-12 South contention but out of contention for anything serious this year um also happening tonight Temple is playing Cincinnati in Cincinnati at Nippert Stadium so That one is going to be bad. (laughs) That one is going to be a bad, bad game. Um, Yeah, I'm not even going to talk more about it. That's Cincinnati. Um, Okay, moving on. Oklahoma, Texas at the Cotton Bowl. Oklahoma's favored by three. I don't trust Spencer Rattler. I'm going to be fully out front. Um, I do not trust this Oklahoma team at all. Um, I think... They have been skating by, a la Florida State in the first year of the playoff. Um, I think they are not as good as the record shows. Um, and I think it's going to catch up to them at some point. Um, I don't think the Texas team is perfect. Don't confuse me for that. But I think that loss to Arkansas makes a lot of sense looking back at it. And I think that Texas probably is going – they're going to be able to pull this game off. Um, that – barely signed by TCU not the best sign but you're gonna have games like that um so really I think that's gonna be close but I'm gonna regret doing this on'm picking Texas against Oklahoma Alabama Texas Am already talked about that picking Alabama Ohio State Maryland Ohio State Michigan State Rutgers this is a mo- interesting I gotta stop using that word this is a People need to be paying a lot more attention to this game than they are because this is prime upset territory for Michigan State. Rutgers, despite being 3-2, and two, I mean, you look at their two losses, it's Michigan and Ohio State. You expect them to lose their games. Granted, they got blown out by Ohio State, but that's going to happen when, you know, it's Ohio State. Um, Michigan State, they are up and coming. They are doing a lot better this year than a lot of people expected um are they good enough to come in and really destroy Rutgers which I think is a lot what a lot of people are expecting Rutgers this year is not the Rutgers we have seen they're still not a top four team in the Big Ten East but they're a better team I think they're a good number five in that Big Ten East this year honestly um and I expect them to really come out in this game so Believe it or not, I'm going to pick Rutgers over number 11, Michigan State. There. Arkansas is playing Ole Miss. That is an intriguing game. Um, two teams that really, um, you know, Ole Miss had a lot of hype coming into this year. They're performing performer, as expected. Uh, Arkansas, no hype at all. and Now the people are going crazy. Um, That should be an interesting game. I think it's really going to come down to quarterback core, core play. And I really just trust Matt Corral a lot more. Jefferson. I'm definitely going to regret saying that when Corral throws 500 picks on Saturday, but I'm going to pick Ole Miss in that one. Uh, Florida Vanderbilt. That one's easy. Georgia Auburn. Uh, that game is not going to be as lopsided as people are expecting, but I'm still picking Georgia. Uh, the Boise State BYU rivalry. This, I think, is BYU's last test this season. BYU, at, from this point forward, they have nothing. They have a game against USC, and I get I get it, USC. But still, I mean, just nothing is going to be like this. And Boise State is not that good this year. Boise State is 2-3. and three. Boise State lost to UCF, who is not looking the greatest right now. They just lost to Navy last week. They lost to Nevada, and they lost to Oklahoma State. Um, really, I think BYU just has a... Clean road ahead of them. Just got to not trip up. I'm going with BYU. Okay, last game I'm talking about. This one, this one is a big one. Number four, Penn State. Number three, Iowa. And considering the fact that number threes have not been doing too hot this year, I'm going to pick Penn State. But, or you crucify me. Um, I really think it's going to be Sean Clifford that matters in this game. Because, you look at it, Iowa's defense is just absolutely crazy this year. Um And, I mean, especially in Kinnick Stadium, in a game as big as this is going to be, it's, it's going to be crazy between these two teams. However, I think Sean Clifford will rise to the occasion. And I think, despite all odds, uh, the number four team will beat the number three team. Crazy thought, I know. All right. That is all I have for college football talk this week. After the break, going to be looking at the MLB playoffs. Thank you for listening to Hate the Player, Not the Game. Fire threatens everything in its path. When it threatens our nation and our communities, we respond. Welcome back to Hate the Player, Not the Game. As always, I'm Lucas Owens. It is 426 p.m. on a surprisingly warm day in Colombia, surprisingly. Um. So, let's look into some MLB playoff action. However, before I start, I just want to look at an interesting story I saw from ESPN. Interesting being the key adjective um, that I use constantly. But this is from Doug Syrian and it is on the San Francisco Giants, who you, of course, know I root for. Uh, if I had to choose a baseball team uh, which I do and it's the San Francisco Giants um, but this is an interesting article so the Giants entered the season as 100 to one long shots to win the World Series um, and uh, apparently sports books are not too uh, not too keen on the San Francisco Giants um, even though they were, um, even though they, you know, were on a breakneck pace. They were the first 50 wins, first 60 wins, first 70, first 80, first 90, first 100. And then finally first 107, of course. Um, but um, the uh, bookmakers still never really lowered their odds too crazily. You could have gotten them at 10-1 to 1 in late July. Um, and they were 40-1 to 1 odds uh, at the beginning of the season to win the NL West title. So essentially what that means is, you know, 40 times, only one time they expected them to win. Um, So, uh, the Giants just, you know, keep going on these crazy ways. Um, And, uh, yeah, this is going to be interesting just because it shows um, Vegas, for some reason, just doesn't believe at all in the uh, San Francisco Giants. Um, And this is going to be interesting. Um, This is going to be interesting to see how... Uh, things react once things uh, keep going down a uh, different different road. But uh, let's look at the playoff bracket. I haven't had time to talk about that because I haven't had a show since last Friday. And, of course, a lot was still up in the air. So looking at the playoff bracket right now. So you got Boston and Tampa Bay. Uh, one game decided, Tampa Bay won it pretty easily, 5-0. Chicago, Houston, that one Going on right now, game one, one Houston's way. Game two, also definitely going Houston's way, nine to four Houston. In the top of the eighth, that is a little unbelievable to be honest. Um, I thought the White Sox were going to get to Framber Valdez early. They kind of did, not too much, but um, yeah. So the one team eliminating the AL so far, the New York Yankees, uh, got beat by the Boston Red Sox in the wild card game. So. That one's not crazy surprising, but, um, yeah, New York just, they were never able to really put it together in, the, in terms of pitching, and Gary Cole just had a terrible day, and when you pay somebody over $300 million, and they don't even give you more than two innings, there's a problem there, and I don't know what is up with the New York Yankees, but you should not be spending as much as they are. To go out in the wild card game. Um, that is for certain. So. Yeah. I mean. I just don't really know what's going on there. Um, looking at the NL though. We have the. Atlanta Braves. And the Milwaukee Brewers. In the 2-3 matchup. Between the. East. Winners. And the. Central winners. That one is currently 0-0. And game one. Mid third. So. So. Um, this series, I mean, everybody's always everybody's gonna go Milwaukee just on basis of season records. Uh, Atlanta, they didn't limp to the plus. People kind of got that notion. They did pretty good down the stretch. Uh, they won eight of their last ten. Um, Milwaukee, on the other hand, definitely limped to the stretch, uh, but still won seven more games than Atlanta this last year. So. People are always going to go with the team that won more games. Um, the Brewers do have starting pitching. They do have relief pitching. Of course, out Devin Williams because he broke his hand, uh, which I th- it can really hurt. I mean, you saw Josh Hader to shut things down in the bullpen, and the rest of their pieces are pretty good too. But I think this is going to be a closer series than a lot of people are expecting. A lot of people are expecting the Brewers just to – Coast on by, but the Braves, the Braves don't sleep on them. Don't sleep on the Braves. The Braves can hit with the best of them. And, I mean, you're, you see it where if a team has good hitting, they'll eventually get to the pitching. It's just a matter of how much they can. Uh, so that's, I think that's honestly the second most intriguing just because of the series I'm talking about next. But I, both of the series in the NL are very, very intriguing. So, next up, we, of course, got the San Francisco Giants versus Los Angeles Dodgers. And I'm not even going to pretend I don't have a huge bias here. I'm wearing a San Francisco Giants hat right now. I grew up a mu- an hour away from San Francisco, constantly going to Giants games. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think I think you know which way I'm going to favor this one. But uh, this, this series... Um, this series, I'd be surprised if it doesn't go five. Um, honestly. Um, either way. Uh, these two teams are just too good. Um <laughs> yeah, 107 wins. Uh San Francisco Giants franchise record. Dodgers 106 wins ties the Dodgers franchise records. And these teams have been around since before the 20th century. Um, the Giants' record actually dated to 1906 before they broke it. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this series is just going to be insane. You look at the two teams, though, the Giants are coming in healthier, which I think is going to be a factor. Losing Muncie in that last game uh, for L.A., um, that's going to be a huge hurt because first base, now you got to plug that hole. Uh, tonight, just looked at the lineup. They're starting Matt Beatty there. I'm not going to Matt Beatty has been a good first baseman But you look at Would you rather have Matt Beatty in there Or would you rather have Max Muncie in there When people were joking Well people were talking About putting him As MVP halfway through the season um, And warranted I think he should have been uh, An all-star starter honestly I think he was the best first baseman In baseball this year To, to be honest um, and they also lost Kershaw to an injury, which definitely hurts. You used Max Scherzer in the wildcard game that you barely snuck by the Cardinals. So he's not going to come back to at least, I would assume, game three. Um, just a really tough situation if you are um, the Dodgers right now. Um, on the Giants side, they lose Brandon Belt. But honestly, you have a lefty replacement for the platoon there with Lamont Wade Jr., and then you can bring in other guys for uh, facing the left-handed pitcher, so righties. Um, and I think uh, I think they'll be fine there. I think it's definitely less of a hurt. Um, they also just came out, Johnny Cueto is not going to be on the playoff roster. They chose to put both Duggar and Alex Dickerson into the playoff roster instead of Johnny Cueto, which, I mean... I think the Giants just aren't anticipating, honestly, using long relief in this series. Um, and I'm not sure how that's going to go. I mean, if they do have to use long relief, I think they trust their bullpen. They're carrying 12, 12 arms. Um, so you got uh, Logan Webb, Kevin Gossman, Alex Wood, and Anthony DiScafani. Is that going to be good enough? That is the question. Is that going to be good enough um I mean I'd assume I'd assume I don't think they rush Webb back uh Webb has dealt with a few injuries this year not a lot but enough that they're going to be careful with him but outside of that I mean if you're you're looking at probably the two the three best bullpens in the playoffs I'm just going to say is uh Milwaukee San Francisco and L.A. Because you look outside of that, you have Jose Alvarez, Kervin Castro, Camilo Duvall, who just won September Labor of the Month. He's a rookie that throws 100. His arm, uh, if you check my Twitter, his arm goes crazy places, which is funny. Uh, Yarlan Garcia, Dominic Leon, who has come into his own this year. He has been incredibly impressive. Zach Littell, Jake McGee, and Tyler Rogers. Um, Out of those guys, I mean, Jake McGee is coming back from an injury. Uh, Curvin Castro and Camilo Duvall are so young. Um, I trust the rest of them, even Camilo Duvall, people want to make the closer now. Um, Tyler Rogers probably not getting in the ninth, uh, for some reason, he just doesn't get up for the ninth. Um, but outside of that, I mean, I just don't know. Yeah. I trust, I would trust everybody in that lineup. And honestly, for the Dodgers, it's a very similar way in their bullpen. The Dodgers have a crazy bullpen. It's not the deepest bullpen, especially this series, but it is very, very good. I mean, you look at the pitchers they're carrying. They're carrying Phil Bickford, Walker Buehler, Tony Gonsolin, Bruce Sargero, Kenley Jansen, Joe Kelly, Corey Kniebel, David Price, Max Scherzer, who, of course, pitched the wild card game for them. Uh, Blake Trennan, Julio Reyes, and Alex Garcia. Um, I mean, even Phil Bickford, who uh, has not had the shaky, has not had the best stuff ever had. He's been in volume, he has been good for the Dodgers this year. And I think that I think it's just going to be an interesting time. Um, I think it's going to be a very close series, uh, believe it or not. Um, and I think it's going to, uh, I think it's going to come down honestly to just late game antics. It's going to be, it's going to be closely contested. And I mean, of course, San Francisco has home field advantage, so that's good in that way. But aside from that, I mean, you just look at it. Um, the one thing the Giants have over the Dodgers right now is that the Dodgers are only carrying three lefties. That's like. If I had to make one point of differ- differentiation between these two teams, it is that the Giants are slightly healthier and the Dodgers are only carrying three lefties. Of course, those three lefties include Julio Rias, Alex Vesia, and David Price. But Julio and Vesia are very long and, you know, are good. But the problem is, you get to the bullpen, you know you're going to see a righty, basically. Um, so... That should be interesting. But on the Dodgers side, I mean, there are definitely holes you can walk into. These are going to be close games. These are probably going to be fast games, honestly. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's going to come down to a random guy. It might be somebody like a Matt Beatty or an Alex Dickerson that just comes up big in a moment. It's going to be something like that. Um, You saw it with the wild card game. Cody Bellinger got a walk. Honestly, that Cody Bellinger walk (laughs) was... was one of the best things he's done this year. Because um, then he got Chris Taylor up, and Chris Taylor hit that home run off Alex Reyes to send them to the division series. If Cody Bellinger doesn't get that walk, I'm not sure the Dodgers are still here. I kind of honestly go towards the Cardinals bullpen in that uh, in that extra innings. But, of course, they don't have to deal with that. So um, I think this is going to be an interesting series for lack of a better word. However, I'm not doing picks. I will not do picks for the playoffs because I value my sanity. Um, I will say the way things are looking now, it would take a gigantic comeback from the White Sox to beat the Astros in this series. Um, I'm not liking what I'm seeing from Boston either. Boston needs to come out tonight and win, uh, if they're going to say it, obviously. I'd rather not go down 0-2. but Boston at least needs to play better against Tampa Bay um, because what happened last night was just they just fell flat on their faces. And I don't know if it was just, you know, let down from the wild card game or what, but they just were not there. They were just not fully there. So that is all I have for Ceiling Signs MLB Playoff Edition. Next week, check back in to see how absolutely wrong I am about how good these series are going to be because I'm not making any picks. So, thank you for listening. After the break, going to have a quick Survivor 41 math with six. Thank you for listening to Hate the Player, Not the Game. The Missouri Army. Okay, welcome back to "Hate the Player, Not the Game." Let's get in to Survivor Forty One, Episode Three. I'm going to be honest; uh, probably like my least favorite episode of the season, just because of who went out. Um, but uh, really, this episode—it just—it would—it devolved too much into idol hunting, advantage hunting, um, and not enough into real human relationships, which is, of course. What Survivor is all about, which, I mean, that's just how they're making the show right now. But I think, honestly, just giving it a longer runtime would go a long way. However, um, yeah, I mean, you just look at the gameplay. Um, I do like what they did having uh, a few people sneak off during the night, uh, doing a different type of prisoner's dilemma. Honestly, more of a tragedy of the convert than a prisoner's dilemma. Because you knew somebody had to take take the TARP or you would have lost your vote. Um, of course, uh, it was either basically getting ahead of myself. Basically, it was essentially all three people say, well, you want a TARP? You get a TARP. Two people say you want a vote? They get the vote. One person says they want a vote. You get the vote. But the, the whole thing is the people that ask for the TARP don't get the TARP then, um, However, if all three people want to steal the vote, you lose a vote. So a little bit of social engineering there. Uh, However, it kind of went predictably when two people immediately said you want to vote, and then that puts the last person in a tricky spot where they're going to have to feel like you're going to have to basically give up doing anything because you're put in a very tough spot. So I think that devolved rather quickly. However, I will say the one thing I like about this season is that they are going towards these social dilemmas with people that it's 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 a different type when you know who you're going to uh going to have to go through these things with, um which is part of what makes Survivor so interesting um is balancing human relationships with a game um, but then. Doing it with people you don't know just makes the thought process uh, go so differently. You have to think, who do you trust just based off you know how you pre- perceive them and like, maybe the times they've talked to Jeff Propes and stuff like that I find really interesting. However, this is going to be a sad, sad math with Six because they voted off Brad Reese. And Brad Reese, I don't know if you've been following me, he sounds just like Bill Walden and he has been he was one of the best uh I will say one of the best contestants I've seen that goes out this early. I'm just happy we had him at all because he was absolutely glorious. Just who he was was so fun to see. And I think he honestly just fell victim to um not to himself but just to I mean he just fell victim to this tribe losing really is what it comes down to, and I think it's sad, but, I mean, he was just kind of the next one out, and I'm not sure what else he could have done. I think he could have maybe used his steal vote, and but then that would have forced a tie. You can't really maneuver around that too much. Maybe you buy yourself an extra week. Who knows? But still, uh, just a tough situation there. Um, however, still think this season's going... Pretty smoothly so far, despite all the advantages. Let's see if I change my tune next week. But that's all I have for Hate the Player, Not the Game. Reminder, listen to the Mizzou football broadcast tomorrow. I will be on it alongside Aaron Mosher. Should be a lot of fun for the homecoming game. Thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your weekend. Adios.